Happy Monday. Happy Monday, everyone. It's Locked On Marlins, your daily Marlins podcast from me, your host, Peter Pratt. Hope everyone's doing well and had a great weekend. How about those dolphins, baby? How about those dolphins? Five wins on the spin. Fins up, baby. Get yourselves over to Locked On Dolphins for all the fallout of that one. Marlins. Baseball. Major League Baseball. Still locked out. (laughs) We're still locked out. Not much to report on that front, I'm afraid, it seems. So, you know, listen, get into your get into your NFL. And the season is is rolling. I'm not a Dolphins fan, but my timeline on Twitter is engulfed with Dolphins coverage, content, and commentary all through Sundays for sure, no doubt. Here's the two pieces of uh, information I've gleaned. Firstly, Tua. There's two sides to the Tua conversation. Some are in, some are out. For me, I'm in. All in on Tua. (laughs) I think he looks like a stud. Secondly, the Dolphins. The offensive line is absolutely rancid. It's terrible. Which kind of goes back to point one. That you you can't even judge Tua because the offensive line is is offensive. (laughs) It's offensive how bad that that line is. Five wins on the spin, but I think we all can see it. The Dolphins go up against anyone serious that that line is just going to really struggle and uh dolphins need to improve in the off season in that area for sure but anyway this is not locked on dolphins this is locked on marlins your daily marlins podcast so what are we getting into today i wanted to spend some time debriefing digesting uh, a recent article from the herald that was put out there it was a, it was a joint article barry jackson craig mish uh, the herald goats uh, for your baseball coverage as well as jordan mcpherson but the guys put out um, a behind-the-scenes details of the Marlins' plan going into the off-season and plan now. That was the title of the, uh, the, epi- the, the the article. And there was some really interesting news and notes and nuggets in there that I think it's it's useful to discuss. Uh, if you haven't seen the article, go and check it out in the Herald, uh, miamiherald.com. Um, but what made me think of this was uh, towards the end of the article, it was talking about Garrett Cooper and... The fact that the Marlins tendered Cooper uh, a contract and would potentially get a lot of at-bats if, uh, if the DH is, is implemented for the 2022 season or whenever the next season starts. And I think that all aligns to, to what we were thinking was that Coop, with the health issues, um, is obviously, uh, you know, he's one of the better hitters for the Marlins, but just has really struggled with his body and, and, and staying healthy. Um, was obviously kind of playing out in the outfield a bit, a lot of right, right field action. He He's not a right fielder for sure. He was you know trying his best out there um, and obviously was getting plenty of work as well at first base, kind of cycling around with, with Aguilar. Um, obviously got hurt as well playing first base, a similar kind of Hoskins-type injury from, from the season before. So... What made me think of this, though, was that, that Coop was was back on Twitter. Coop was back on Twitter. He was putting out there some, you know, a small little, little I guess, uh, recording of him hitting off tee, which is really great news. I mean, he, he wasn't at the Marlins facility. He can't be at the Marlins facility. I don't know who's helping him now with his with his rehab, etc. So, um, you know, that's, that's unclear. But irrespective, Coop, you know, hitting balls nicely off a tee, and got me thinking about Cooper in, in, in more detail and, and, and what he means to the Marlins and, and whether you know whether he will eventually be part of 
the 2022 team and roster. Um, for me, right now, if we if we took all of the guys available on the 40 man, um, Garrett Cooper would likely would likely be your DH, maybe a bench bat, perhaps if uh, if you start Lewin at first base and and, and Aguilar as as the DH, perhaps, and then you know, maybe you'd have Coop as a bench bat or heaven forbid a, a right fielder, but I don't know, and so you know that. It's an interesting spot for Coop, and you know I think he I think he needs to be limited in the amount of time he plays in the field, and I think they just need to focus in on his on his hitting side. But if if you know if we had the opening day roster put out there right now, I think Cooper is either DHing or he's on the bench, one of the two, and who'd be in the outfield? And this is where it got interesting as well, linked to this article, which is why I thought it tied neatly together. You know they you know, within the article you know they, they talk about how they the Marlins were actively seeking and looking to to sign um, Avi Garcia, which they've gone away and undone. So Avi Garcia was absolutely a target for the Marlins. Derek Jeter effectively you know got a good read on him, a good vibe that he wanted to be part of the Marlins, and they've gone out there and got the deal done. Um, so, you know, Avi Garcia's in. Jesus Sanchez looks to be an everyday corner outfielder as well. And so, you know, that leaves potentially one spot in the outfield. Um, you know, maybe right now you could you could see an outfield of, of, of Coop, Jesus Sanchez, and Avi Garcia. Avi would, would slide into center field. I am not convinced that, that Avisel Garcia is, is a center fielder. And particularly if you have Cooper and <laughs> and Jesus Sanchez out there, boy oh boy, that outfield would be you know, probably one of the worst defensively in the league, I guess. I mean, there's just a lack of mobility, lack of wheels um, in the main. So I'm not convinced that that would be an optimal approach. But this, this article also kind of going back to my episode one, talking about the Starling Marte situation. The Marlins, they pursued Marte. Um, they had the opportunity to sign Marte pre-deadline they decided not to it was always that fourth year that guaranteed fourth year was the sticking point uh, and ultimately they 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 moved him on for, for Jesus Lazardo. Um, they then went back to the table so they've acquired Lazardo. great uh, Marte went away and, and finished off of the A's and became a free agent so the opportunity was there can you sign Marte? and they were in on him and this is where things get interesting where the Marlins actually went to you know they added the fourth year they actually added that fourth year onto it that they they could have done, um, and they went four years around about sixty million, um, with a few other teams offering similar um, money. The Marlins were told that they would need to get close to seventy million to get Marte, so seventy over four. Um, and whilst the Marlins were they were potentially able to to go a little higher than than, than maybe the the 60, maybe more towards the 70, and you know the Mets in the end came away and blew the Marlins and everyone else out of the water. 78 mil over four years, and unfortunately that was too rich for the Marlins. Not getting, I, I'm not sure if they they even got to the 70 mil mark for for Marte. But you know what's clear is that signals to us that the Marlins are still actively seeking an, an outfield upgrade and were willing to spend the money. They were willing to spend the money on on Garcia and they're willing to spend the money on Starling Marte. Um, so, you know, that's interesting and then leaves them when we then think, okay, what are the other options? What's plan B? Marte and Garcia, I'm going to call plan A. 
So what's plan B now that you've you've got you've got Garcia? So you know, okay, one A is 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 secured. One um, B, um, what do you do next? And I guess there really isn't there just isn't a similar player to Starling Marte out there. Starling Marte was the ultimate centre field option. No longer available. There is no one else in free agency that the Marlins could acquire that that really, on the face of it, would match or meet that production plus defensive talent um, that, that Marte offered. So what do you do next? The other names knocking around. Uh, again, linking, you know, looking into this article, um, the Marlins have, have, by all accounts, uh, inquired around Nick Castellanos. Again, big bat, big time power bat, contact guy. Had some great years in, in Cincinnati, opted out of his deal, and the feeling is that he's going to be too expensive. You know, it's not going to be a four years seventy. Is not going to get it done for for Nick Castellanos. He's he's thinking a lot higher than that. So with that being said, he's probably off the wish list. Then you get into some interesting names as well. You get into Carl Schwarber, which I I like the the Schwarber idea, but that was in advance of signing Avi Garcia. Again, if if you go and acquire Schwarber at let's say, uh, you know, a three year sixty million kind of contract, which is what's mooted in this uh, in this Herald article, you know, three sixty, so twenty mil um, average annual value, plus you've got Avi Garcia. Plus Jesus Sanchez, De La Cruz maybe serves as the uh, the fourth outfielder. Again, Schwarber defensively is you know it's not optimal. It's not optimal there with with Carl Schwarber there. I, in, in many ways, he probably fits a, a DH role as well. So all of a sudden, the Marlins with with Lewin Diaz coming through at first base, um, you know, have Aguilar, Cooper, you know, and you know if they sign Schwarber, you've got. Aggie, Coop, and Schwarber vying for one DH role, and then you know one of them ends up in the outfield. I don't think it's optimal. Let's also talk about Eddie Rosario, um, who who obviously won a World Series with the Braves, um, and you know again defensively not optimal. <laughs> it's not great. All of this would suggest you'd end up with with Avi Garcia playing center. For me personally, I just can't see this. I I think the Marlins are gonna you know deviate away now that Mar- Marte is gone. Um, and, and look to acquire someone via trade um, to, to fill that center field gap that, that they could have filled. And that's what it goes back to is the Marlins absolutely could have filled that that center field spot for the next three slash four years with Starling Marte if they'd, I guess, negotiated or showed this intent at the deadline and added on the number of years. I don't think Marte's position really changed. He was looking for the fourth year. The Marlins weren't willing to give it to him, guaranteed a team option, maybe. They would, you know, but now you get into a position where the, he's now on the open market. He's a free agent, and thus other teams can go and blow the Marlins away in terms of the overall value. Like I said, seventy-eight million for the Marlins was too much. For the Mets, absolutely made sense. It was a, it was a stunning signing from from the Mets, in my opinion. And um, you know, I think I think it will. They'll look back and and really enjoy that one. So, you know, that's the, the kind of outfield fallout from the Herald's article. Uh, there's, there's a lot of talk as well on the pitching side um, in terms of you know, who may be available, who, who may not be, and also maybe what, what the season may, may hold for Brian Anderson. But, you know, let's, let's get into uh, DirecTV before that. Does this sound familiar? You've got the one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows 
you're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. Best part? No annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. So let's get into this second half of the, the, the Miami Herald article. And I guess the other option for the Marlins off the back of the Joey Wendell signing is 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 Brian Anderson shifting out to to right field and then perhaps you go with Anderson, Jesus Sanchez and Avi Garcia as as your main three outfielders, Joey Wendell starting every day at third base, Miggy Jazz and then a, a an Aggie slash uh, Lewin option at first base. On the face of it, it's not the worst idea ever and may this may come into fruition. I guess this all all boils down to a What's the health situation for Brian Anderson? You know, the the shoulder is a concern. Um, will he be back for spring? If he isn't, then you know, from the from a Marlins perspective, they need to plan for him to miss some time. And with that being said, they then need to make sure they address the outfield situation for sure. Um, what does everyone think about Brian Anderson right now? Where does where does he kind of sit in in your evaluation uh, going into the twenty twenty one year? A lot of the chatter really was around PayBA. Hashtag PayBA was perhaps the first hashtag of pay anyone um, that existed. So PayBA was, you know, the main momentum bubbling around. And and in many ways, when I look at Brian Anderson's 2021, um, firstly I've got to say that from a defense perspective, it is absolutely elite. I remember when he when he started playing for the Marlins that I had concerns about him at third base. I mean, this is like four seasons ago, but I had concerns that the BA wasn't looking great at third base and they kind of shifted him to right field and he looked great in right field. So I was thinking, I wonder if that's the future, but absolutely not. BA as a, as a third baseman, he is gold glove caliber. Uh, clearly, Nolan Arenado is, is still in the National League. And so, you know, winning gold gloves is very difficult <laughs> right now and will be for the foreseeable. So, but BA is absolutely in that, that tier below, perhaps Nolan Arenado is in his own tier. Um, so the, from a defensive side, it's always been wonderful. Offensively, it felt like in 2021, it was just constant frustration from BA. I'm not clear what, what the problem was, but in many... For long stretches, he looked to be unhappy. He looked to be struggling and was obviously niggled a little bit by injuries, came back um, from injury. And, you know, when, when BA's hitting well, he's going opposite field. There, so there was flashes of that. But in general with BA, I feel like he, yeah, in the main cut a, a frustrated figure for the majority of the, the 2021 season. And then obviously the, the season was ended Um you know, prematurely with a shoulder issue, but I, I still, I'm still a believer of Brian Anderson. I still believe that he should absolutely be part of the Marlins, the Marlins' future for sure. But 
irrespective, the you know, they've acquired Wendell. Two years of control on Wendell. Um, they they still need an outfielder. Is it is it a sensible choice? Is it a realistic choice to shunt Brian Anderson out to the outfield to make sure the bats in the lineup? I don't know. For me, I would absolutely prefer a mix. Like I mentioned on the on the Wendell podcast last week, I would I would love a mix of BA, Jazz, Miggy, Wendell, all kind of rotating around those those three spots in the infield um, from from second over to third. So for me, that's the ultimate way. You platoon the guys. Uh, a little bit where you need you give you give you know days off you try to protect guys you know the bench is strong how many times last year were the Marlins in a big spot in a game and they'd already ran out of of pinch hitters or they were they were trying to save a pinch hitter for later in the game you know for a more a higher leverage spot how many times in the sixth inning did you have Sandy Leon walking out or Georgie Alfaro or a reliever coming out to pinch hit you know they weren't even pitching at the time you were having relievers coming out specifically to pinch hit I mean that just shows the the lack of depth that was there on the bench and was a major problem so for me if the Marlins come out of this and again going back to to Gary Cooper if if all of a sudden you know every other day you've got Gary Cooper and Brian Anderson or Joey Wendell on the bench coming off the bench and and listen you may not need as deep a bench if if the DH is around but you get into different kind of matchups, platoons, etc. But you know, nevertheless, if everyone is healthy, which in the main most most of the time they aren't, but everyone's healthy, you've got Coop and BA on the bench, or Coop and Wendell, or Aggie and Wendell available, as well as one of your back, you know, a backup catcher, whoever that may be. Uh, let's say that's you know Alex Jackson or Nick Fortes or someone that is not yet with the club. Who knows? Plus Brian De La Cruz. I mean, the bench is looking strong. You can trust that bench. Big spot. You know, Brian De La Cruz steps up. Big spot. Aggie steps up. Completely changes what the Marlins can do late in games. And I felt last season, they really struggled to, other than other than Jesus Aguilar, that would come alive from like the eighth inning onwards. In the main, the Marlins would, would rarely put up a, a big comeback. They would blow games. Absolutely they would. But they were limited in terms of the... <laughs> their comeback ability if that is even a phrase I'm not sure it is so yeah Brian Anderson what is you know what does the future hold there he's 28 you know he's he's the the talent is all still there I'm still a believer of BA and I, I if he is healthy for the year I I want to see him playing you know the third base in the main uh, and maybe you know spot starting out in right field, right field if required but yeah, in the main, I'm still a, a pay BA believer, um, but I'd like to know. I'd like to try and understand what what was going wrong for BA. Why? What was the frustration? I know he wants to perform, but you know that it seemed more often than not it was too much frustration there, and not enough not enough smiles from BA. You know, he's not that kind of character. He's not he's not an Aguilar dude that's joking around. Nevertheless, though, I think it does rub off on you where you're intense and you cut a frustrated figure majority of the time. I think that does rub off. So, okay, well, before we round up for Monday's episode, let's finish off with, with Built Bar on the US ads with a British twist. And it is the holiday season, and we need to grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or even better than a candy bar, a Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, plus high in protein. 
you get the best of both worlds. Delicious and healthy. So many flavors. You'll have a hard time choosing which one to go for. Will it be raspberry or mint brownie? Cherry or double chocolate? Cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie? So many options. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those malls. Battle, battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. One last purchase, one last jersey to go and buy. <laughs> so throw one in your jacket or your bag or purse. You never know when you're going to need it. Get yourselves across to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order today. So many options, so many flavors. Go and pick one up. Delicious and healthy. Extra fuel. Builtbar.com. Promo code LOCKED15. All right, guys. Final segment just to kind of round things off here on this uh, this Herald article, which was excellent, by the way, um, is is on the, uh, well, a couple of other notes. The fact that they uh, they, they were also in on, so they obviously they traded for, for Jacob Stallings, um, but they also were in a few other catches prior to that. And um, they, they did offer uh, Manny Pena a one-year $4 million deal instead signed a two-year eight million with the Braves so again that extra year of control that extra year of um, guaranteed money and time comes back to haunt the Marlins there on that one they also inquired on on Yang Gomes who I liked a lot I thought he was the top free agent uh, but in the end went and acquired Stallings Jacob Stallings as I mentioned last week I believe he is the best catcher in baseball so I was absolutely all in on that deal. The Red Sox were also in on that deal by all accounts. And they actually believed they had a deal in place. And then the Marlins decided to go and add in Kyle Nicholas to get a deal done. They already had Zach Thompson and Connor Scott lined up. Red Sox came in, thought they'd won it, thought they'd landed their guy. And the Marlins went back and went, no, 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 we're taking Jacob Stallings. You guys take Kyle Nicholas as well. Three for one package. Sign me up. Get Jacob Stallings into Miami. He's not the hitting production. That's not what he's there for. Defensively, by far the best catcher in baseball, and the Marlins absolutely get it done. So, you know, it's um, you know, it was big, big for the Marlins that that's that's the way that they you know they were aggressive with those deals, which is what I like to see. Um, you know, the, the Herald does touch on from a pitching perspective. You know, who is available? I think this is where things do get interesting, and, and maybe matches up to a lot of what people are thinking that. If the Marlins do trade from their kind of major league pitching depth, they've obviously moved Zach Thompson, but Eliezer Hernandez is available. I think we all know that makes sense. Um, Braxton Garrett and Nick Nider also considered available, according to uh, Barry and Craig at the Herald, um, both of which have, have underwhelmed at the major league level. So I don't think they're, they're not headline guys for sure. I'm not sure Eliezer's a headline guy, um, but absolutely... You know, has innings at the major league level, has shown and proven to be a major league, uh, you know, a, a number four or five guy for sure. But the health is is a problem. brings brings it round to Pablo Lopez, um, and this is the the exact sentence from the Herald's article. The preference is to keep Pablo Lopez, though he's not untouchable. Wow, 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 wow. That is again not unsurprising. Um, there has been some health concerns with Pablo. Um, he's now entering ARB, clearly, so three years of control on Pablo. Um, he was, I, I saw him ranked the 15th best pitcher in, in Major League Baseball by uh, by one site uh, earlier this week. So absolutely, Pablo Lopez will be drawing interest, no doubt. 
He's not untouchable. I wonder who the untouchable guys are. You know, Sandy clearly is. I guess Trevor is. Um, you know, is is anyone else untouchable? Not sure. I for me, the Marlins should explore Pablo Lopez opportunities if they're looking for an elite center fielder. And that is the only deal. It's the only way you use Pablo Lopez is for an elite center fielder that has multiple years of control. What does that list look like? Well, I'm actually going to get into that on tomorrow's episode. We're going to get into what are the center field options? Who who is playing center field at an above average level? And who could the Marlins be targeting? So that's going to be coming up to, tomorrow um, and, and later in the week as well. We're going to get Sean Barrett back in the house. Uh, he doesn't know this yet, but he will be. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I think that a lot of what the Herald went into, I think, was was really intriguing um, and, you know, sinks to a lot of the, the rumors coming through. In summary, it was the Marlins were always in on Avi Garcia. Um, I, I did... You know, suggest that maybe the Buxton news triggered the Avi Garcia signing, but looks to me more like that the Marlins are always in on Avi Garcia. Plan A was Avi plus Starling Marte. They've missed out on Marte, so they need to deviate away from that now. Cooper Loop at the moment, he's been tendered and looks to be a DH opportunity, uh, a DH candidate for next year. If it is, in fact, uh, available, um, the Marlins are still shopping for an outfielder, and who will that be? Wait and see on that one, but. Uh, Rosario's being talked about, Castellanos being talked about, Brian Anderson being talked about, perhaps. Uh, all wait and see on that one. Pablo Lopez perhaps is available, um, but you know he's he's not. It's going to be a high price for him. Um, Eliezer Hernandez, Braxton Garrett, Nick Nider, all available for sure. And then finally, Jacob Stallings was acquired via trade, but the Marlins were also uh, inquiring around Jan Gomes and also offered a deal to Manny Pena. So they were active in the catcher market as well, but went away and and got their guy in Jacob Stallings. So that's going to wrap us up for Monday's episode, guys. Thanks for sticking with me. Thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day, of the week, maybe of the month. I don't know. I mean, it's the sixth. Um... If you uh, want some more Locked On content and you want to make your second listen, uh, then head across to Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs, Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. As is Locked On Marlins, guys. Don't forget, this is a daily pod, Monday to Friday. They'll be dropping daily, so hit the subscribe button. Make sure you get your Locked On Marlins straight to your device. I will be back tomorrow with another episode. Like I said, we're going to be diving into center field options. Until then, enjoy and stay safe. Back tomorrow.